They're taking cherubim pots strewn strategically along the daily. Charter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time moves. And in the front bar of a top-end pub. So this dude bails me up at the bar and goes, mate, it's trolling, don't you know? It's trolling. And I said, you are an idiot. Don't embarrass yourself, fella. Everyone knows it's trolling. Uh-oh. Smith. What's going on? Jesus, is that the time? Oh, showtime. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Quick, Hurry up. Drink get up. your bums in the boat and get on with it. G'day fishos and welcome to Easter 2019. Either one of the greatest stretches of holidays uh, for you, particularly this time around where you can run it into the public holiday next week with just a couple of sickies. (laughs) I can feel it coming on now. Or it's for the complete opposite. It's the same every year, isn't it? Do Do I go and join the hordes? It's so hard not to with... So much looking good over this weekend, or do you keep the powder dry? Maybe earn a bit more coin, try to pull in some money, work a public holiday, get the the lawns mowed, God forbid. And then head out when there's not so many people on the water. If you are choosing to head away camping and fishing, though, a complete wrap of pretty much every big river and some... uh, and billabongs and the camp, the obvious camp spots across the top end, you might be headed. And really consistent um, reports on the blue as well. Which is exciting. Uh, Packy Andy's back on deck this week, Andy. G'day. G'day, Tim, and welcome, it is. Welcome to Easter. Uh, welcome to Easter. Happy Easter ahead of Happy Easter. So welcome to the Easter show of Tales from the Tinny. We're pr- a, a little bit of an early. Well, it's, it's, it's sort of, it, it's a pre-Easter, and we do that for a strategic reason, don't we, Tim? Yeah, we do. Uh, both on air a little early uh, on ABC Radio Darwin, but also on the podcast. Uh, for prepar- Well, our argument is it's for pre- pre- preparatory reasons. You know, so you can have the ammo to work out where to turn at the vortex of indecision on a Thursday arbo as you're heading out. But, I mean, I, I think it suits, as fishermen, I mean, it suits our ends also. I mean, everybody gets to enjoy <laughs> the Easter knockoff. So hopefully it's useful whether you're listening live on ABC Radio Darwin or just downloading it as you're cruising down the Arnhem or Stewart Highway. And that's it, Tim. The church uh, has bestowed upon us a gift, hasn't it, this week? And that gift's made up of several parts. We've got magic weather, public holidays, and a raft of encouraging pre-Easter fishing reports that you alluded to before. This is true. Particularly when it comes to the blues. So, you know, last week we were pretty positive on the show, and this week it looks like those positive vibes might have just paid off. Some cracker reports from the Blue Waters of Dundee. One punt has described it as the best blue water fishing trip during his time in Darwin. And that's an interesting trip because uh, some sweaty bike racks there were saved only by the presence of baby wipes on board. Oh, <laughs> we learn not only how goddamn good the fishing's been off Dundee, but why you must always have baby wipes aboard. And fresh off the girls gone fishing competition on the daily and rising above that really depressing outlook that we heard about last week. You know, they described the river as chocolate milk with a double shot. Anyway, we speak to those winners who overcame more than the chocolate river to finally triumph and win the competition. And even though there has been a bit of a flash of water down the daily fishes, there are some good tips from the Ayatollah shortly about maybe having a crack a little bit further upstream this week. And in the most serious of news, we've got a bloke uh, nuded up, dressed only in a Jewfish. Why, going... why wouldn't he? <laughs> why wouldn't he? That's it, you know, the, the, the fig leaf, uh, Jewfish. We've got another crew that busted a motor chasing a 20-buck lure. And you put all that together, Tim, there's plenty to keep you entertained out there, punters, on the Easter edition of Tales from the Tinny. The fishing was a little bit slower than usual. Getting him to eat was another thing. Still firing on two cylinders. It's disgraceful, really. Tales from the Tinny. Well, it's Easter, so it's time to kick it off with a bit of a round-the-grounds report from the Ayatollah of the DKVR, Warren DeWitt. G'day again, Warren. Yeah, g'day, fellas. How are we? 
Not bad. You would have heard about that big, horrible flush that went down the daily. Is a week long enough for that to settle and the daily to be a worthwhile Easter option? Uh, no, it's going to be a little bit harder, I still think, with the uh, water that's going down there. Um, if I was going to go to the daily, I'd go upstream and try and fish up in the top section of the daily and over the, over the crossing over Easter. Because of the big tides, it's going to back it up and slow it down, um, that water that's coming down from up top. So a really good option if you've got a, a smaller dinghy or a smaller boat that you want to go for a bit of a look upstream of of the daily out the front maybe right down towards the mouth fishing on the bottom of the tides and the top of the tides also around the bottom down there might not be too bad around some of those bigger coastal creeks might work all right as well so there are a few options but inside the daily it might be a little bit tough with that dirty water and the bigger tides how far up the daily are you talking it's going to fish i would imagine really good because it's dropping because we've had that little bit of a rise which is really you know, put a bit more water back down the daily and obviously get some of the rapids and those filled up a little bit higher as well. So, I um, mean, I'd go all the way up to the uh, crossing, I suppose, up above the, the main crossing and just go upstream uh, Tipperary crossing up top there and just fish all those creeks. I mean, I know there's been some sensational fishing at times up top there. So it's just a matter of going and doing a bit of exploring and having a look and see what you can find. And all those rivers this time of year, all those big rivers, the Roper, the Vic, the Vic's really good upstream at this time of the year as well. So anyone that wants to go somewhere and fish in the freshwater section because of the bigger tides, I'd be certainly packing the little tinny if you can or a bit of land based fishing off uh, some of the rocky headlands or the rocky uh, outcrops and the, and the and the weirs or the or some of the rock bars inside some of those bigger river systems Warren how does the vic fish on some of these bigger tides like we're running into this weekend easter tides yeah, pretty bad down the bottom the bigger water comes up and obviously turns the whole thing into a coffee color mm. if you're live baiting you can sort of possibly do all right i would certainly look up angulari uh, and go up inside there and fish up on those two or three rock bars that are up inside uh, Angulari and you'll, you'll get a different coloured uh, water coming through there because it comes from a different area than the headwaters of the Vic. The Vic's headwaters are very red dirt. Um, the headwaters of the Angulari is black soil plain, so it's got a different coloured water coming through and it's a lot cleaner and clears up a lot quicker than what it does in the main part of the Vic. The Vic itself is starting to clear up, which is not too bad because it didn't get a lot of rain um, the last couple of weeks that um, the Dale and some of the other places did. And for instance, like the Roper, the Phelps got a lot of water in it um, the last couple of weeks ago, and it's been up fairly high as well. So it'll be worth a look in the mouth of the Phelps and also the mouth of uh, Blackfella Creek on the Roper. And you remember too, on the on the the eastern side of the, of the territory, the tides are a lot smaller in the Gulf. So it doesn't really sort of affect it as much, the bigger tides, than what it does up on the top end or around on that western coast. So, yeah, I'll be looking you know, pretty seriously at the Roper as well if I, if I had the time to go out there this weekend. So not a lot of love coming out of love or any of the other coastal creeks. What should people be doing at Shady? Is it even worth it on these bigger tides yeah. now that most of that runoff <laughs> has dropped? Or, no. or, or can we still fish no. up around barrages? You don't reckon? Yeah, you certainly go up inside the barrages and fish right up the top and the dead forest up on the top of um, Sampan there as well if you wanted to, or Tommycut, sorry. Um, but they're all worth a look at maybe further offshore. If the wind's not too bad, go out and chase a dewy and snapper out the front of the shady camp is not too bad of an option as well. With a little bit of movement, you might be able to pick up some snapper and deweys out the turn of the tide out the front there. And there's lots of salmon still out the front of shady if you want to... Uh, persevere out there and, and trawl some of those uh, ledges and, and in the channel out the front of um, Sampan. We heard about the south a fair bit last week, but on these bigger tides holding some of that water back up the top, mm. maybe, or still a bit too early? Yeah, No, I reckon the south is a goer as far as that goes. I reckon that would be a good option to get up on the top there near Leichhardt's Rock Bar and the Leichhardt's Creek, right up the top there. It went over the floodplains again when they had that rain two weeks ago, so it's pumped a fair bit more water back into the south, which is really, really good. So it will fish extremely well, and we're still waiting for the mullet to come upstream on the south. I haven't heard of anyone saying that they've seen them come up yet, so that's still yet to happen. So a lot of those bigger fish now, with that extra bit of fresh water going down that river, may turn their nostrils and head upstream now and come inside the, the south and come up with those mullet once they start moving up. But obviously going down to Brook Creek and fishing down there, because with that last lot of rain that we've had, the brook and that have had a bit of a flush through them. So those mullet may now be moving up inside Brook, and that's where they first go. 
and, and I know over the years that we've fished brook um, on these big tides, it was all uh, determined by the mullet and the flow coming out of those creeks up inside brook to bring those mullet in there and obviously the big barra follow them in there. So, yeah, it hasn't happened yet, but I reckon it's not very far away from doing it and this weekend's tides would be the perfect opportunity to go and have a look. Well, we've got a cracker story coming up about Dundee. I'd imagine any of the blue water would be good this coming weekend, wouldn't it, Warren? Yeah, it'll be a little bit hard bottom fishing, I suppose, with the bigger tides. You know, you just have to pick your windows. It'll be a bit shorter and a bit quicker, I suppose, with the movement. But definitely the fish will be on the chew and definitely a lot of mackerel and that around at the moment. Um, you may have to move off a little bit further wider if the weather's good to get out into the clearer water. But certainly everywhere that I'm looking at at the moment is certainly looking pretty pristine for this time of year. And you can't ask for better weather that we've got coming into Easter as well. And with the break that we've got over Easter and then Anzac Day, I know there's a fair few blokes taken off the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday straight oh, yeah. after why, Easter. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, well, good luck to them if they can get it. It's such a great opportunity. And the, and the, it is. And the options for fishing, as you've just explained, there's a dot point hit list for your fishos. Pretty much everywhere is on the table, whether you're heading to the blue uh, the weather's good, but yeah, you'll have shorter windows because of the big tides. But all those big rivers are well worth a crack. Got on you, Warren. Thanks, mate. All right, right. All the best. Have a good Easter. Bit of trolling, bit of flicking. Hook them, get them in the boat. Run, Jimmy. <laughs> Tales from the Timmy. Well, tough fishing on the daily, as you've heard, but the team of Bino Blush managed to take out the Girls Gone Fishing Comp in the end in what were very trying circumstances. G'day, I'm Mel. And I'm Jo. Angelina from Bino Blush. Yeah, as everyone knows, the river rose and we were left with a very muddy, muddy, muddy daily river. Um, so our game plan changed a little bit. Um, we couldn't get anything on the troll, so we flicked for three days. We flicked very, very hard. Uh, everyone was pretty sore, but yeah, we came back with the win. So last week on the show, we heard what I would describe as one of the most depressing outlooks ever for a competition. <laughs> Just to help my mental health, how many fish did you catch? Uh, well, well, first of all, lucky for us, we didn't hear that. So we, we remained really positive. Um, but uh, I think all uh, our day one, we caught maybe, I think, four fish. Day two, one fish only, which was just keeping us holding on to the lead. And then day three, we caught seven fish. So... Um, uh, lucky for us, I think there were teams that might have caught more fish than us, but we had some good size, especially on day one. Um, our sort of our game plan still kind of worked a bit on day one, so uh, yeah, it was the big fish that got us through. The biggest fish we caught in the team was a sixty-nine by Joe on day one, and that got her champion angler on day one. And uh, my biggest fish was a 64 on day one. The river looked like we said uh, chocolate milk or iced coffee, double shot. It was disgusting. (laughs) And there was uh, full trees floating down the middle of the river, like landmines we had to dodge. Everyone was amazed by how one dirty it was that we keep saying, but then that pushed through. Like even all the water at Banyan Farm where everyone was staying was coming through the taps, pretty much a black tannin, and we were all like, this is not good. Um, and then we were surprised as well, like Melissa said, all the, all the trees, and they were trees. They weren't just logs down that river, and everyone knows how bad it is with the sandbars and everything else. We were surprised there wasn't as much carnage as there sometimes can be. You've got 50 boats out there, you know, people pulling in everywhere, people launching in the dark, going down the river, you know, up on the plane. So we were pretty impressed with what we pulled out in the end because it wasn't easy. So it was all on the flick. What were you using and what sort of areas were you targeting in these really tough conditions, Jo? Uh, yeah, it was, we, were, we were flicking for all the fish that we caught, um, all, using all um, little soft plastics, as small as we had in the boat, and it was the bright colours that would get them, um, a lot of chartreuse, and also some black and golds. But we also found that the key was to change it up a lot. We were changing lures a lot. Um, there was a lot of fish around. It was like popcorn at one stage. They were just boofing everywhere along the grassy edges, on the banks, uh, in, in amongst the, um, the colour changes of the water. There was a lot more boofing than there was catching and we just kept changing until we, we would jag one. I imagine the intensity when the fishing is tough too, the fish aren't that big and every fish matters, that 
it gets pretty full on when someone does hook up for your landing technique and the system among the boat. Oh yeah, it's mayhem, but then we got it. We got down to a pretty good rhythm. You know, fish on, person retrieves it, someone nets it you have to do all your measuring taking your photos while the other girls just keep fishing because as you know when they're on the bite and you're on that window you've got to get them in the boat a couple of times we got them right in you know the nets under it and the lure's been spat out its mouth and we got it in the boat and that was you know just impressive and credit to us I suppose that we didn't have too many like muck-ups. I think the point that that really put us in front too was uh, we there was a bite window happening and we really went hardcore then and there was actually Melissa had caught the 64 that we we had on the deck um, and they were processing that but I got straight back in the water casting and that's when I hooked a 69. And morale how's the morale meter for the week? (laughs) Well, we're all quite shy, retiring people. Uh, No. Uh, We, um, Angelina and I are sisters, and Joe is my best friend of 20-plus years. So... (laughs) We're family. We're family. We're family. Yeah, it's like fishing with your big sisters and your big brother. Like, we should mention our skipper as well. Like, credit to him. He, um, yeah, he put up with us and he he goes as hard as us in, you know, keeping us focused, keeping us hydrated. Um, You know, maybe there was a few times where the, you know, the drink was held up to lips so someone could drink while they were still fishing. That is love. Yeah, yeah, yes, pretty much, yeah. And we did dob him in also for um, sunscreening our feet while we were fishing, which the other skippers were really, really disappointed to hear because it sets the bar quite high. For <laughs> yeah, all it took from there was to fan you down and feed you grapes as you rested. So who is he? He's Daniel Rudd, who is Joanne's husband. So special shout out to Danny. How was the birthday? Birthday was pretty awesome. These girls spoilt me as, as usual. I got a, a vodka gun full of vodka. So, you know, 5am shots on the boat is allowed, everybody. It's fishing. It's actually a glass gun filled with vodka which was which was great and that stayed with us all week and we used that to you know hydrate with vodka um they cooked me a brownie cake on the boat inside a pie warmer which was delicious i think it might be a world first with the baking a cake on the daily river it took a while it did take a while and it kind of slushed a bit because we got up on the plane and (laughs) it, it did slush a little bit but it got there in the end and it was served with um cream and raspberries but yeah and then that was topped off with a treble through my foot which is great my cocktail fell and so what do you do you go for the cocktail so as I went down to get my cocktail the um, lure was up on the side of the gunnel in the carpet and the foot went through it at the same time so it was emergency stations and everyone did a pretty good job to get it out it the barb had gone through so as you know you had to push it back through the other side crimp it and pull him back through I'd like to point out, everybody had a job to get the treble out of the foot. Angelina held her nerve with, we were trying to give her shots of vodka. The skipper was the medic. I got the camera on and videoed the whole thing and Joanne gagged out of the back of the boat. (laughs) No, I had to drive. I did have to steer the boat. While vomiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) To Mel, Joe and Angelina, congratulations again and thanks for joining the tinny for the yarn. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thank you. Cheers, boys. Get a mullet up, ya! Angelina, Joanne and Melissa, talk shit, get hits. That's their motto. And not a bad one, Andy. Not a bad one. We've all proved that effective over time, have we not? We have. It's sort of a, it's mandatory, isn't it? Yeah. It's an unwritten rule. Yeah. You know that during the pre-fish, they were checking a spot out and they've hooked a really nice 70-centimetre odd fish. Yeah. But there's other boats around, so they've sort of shaken it off. I, a little bit of strategy yeah, in the you, pre-fish. You know how you do that. You know how when a boat goes past, you pretend that you don't have a fish on or yeah. you, you keep the rod down. Particularly anyway. in comps where you're doing a pre-fish, you know, you keep that on the down low. Of course. It's intel. It's intel. Security classified. Mm. Anyway, the sad part about this story is when they've released it, someone, or more than one person actually, saw a tag in it. As it, as they, as it swam off? Yeah. Oh dear. So they may well have released a a tagged fish. That's not good. We know what that may mean. Well, we know there are million dollar fish still live, still active and still swimming and likely still on the daily. 
Luckily, uh, they'd taken our advice, Tim, and they had looked at the prenuptial agreement. Oh, in advance, had they? In advance, yeah. So they settled on option A, which is the socialist agreement. Oh, equal shares. Equal shares, mm. including the skipper. Mm. All theoretical anyway, given they released but that fish. That's it, right. One, that's... one quarter of zero is uh, zero. It's got to hurt. Joe actually um, told us another funny yarn that we need to do some more work on converting one young Territorian and welcoming, welcoming them into the fold of the, the church. Yeah. On a trip to Dundee recently, they were listening to the Tinny podcast and Katie, Joe's seven-year-old daughter, just passed her a note from the back seat. And guess what it read? I hate fishing. It's so boring. All you do is stare at the sky all day. <laughs> Katie, you do a lot more on a day's fishing than, than stare at the sky. Just ask mum. Or you probably don't need to, actually, because she's just told you the truth about what she and her mates get up to. When, in fact, Katie, maybe you shouldn't have heard some of that. Anyway, it's a lot more, Katie, than staring at the sky. And FYI, the, uh, the whole team, by the way, mate, put... Uh, their wind down to those lovely good luck necklaces that you made them. Well done. They wore them with pride. You can give us a hoy, as always, via ABC Tales from the Tinny on Facebook. Or via courier pigeon, or via rock through the window, or via just the email address, fishing at abc.net.au. Nikita sent us a nice pic entitled Waiting for the Tide at Buff Creek, with a line of about eight boats up against the bank there alongside the ramp. They're racked up like a Melbourne, Melbourne Cup start. That was full on, wasn't it? Yeah, everyone keen just to, to ramp up and, and get out there and get into it. Good on you. Cheers, Nikita. Keen to get out and get stuck at Shoal Bay. <laughs> a very brief message from Sharon Summerton on Facebook. That's my boy. I didn't know what she was on about for a sec. Was she talking about you, Andy? Is this your your mother or your... That's my boy. Or me. It's my boy. I think she was on about Michael Didge Summerton from last week. Very proud of presumably the son playing the Didge on the landing net, as she should be. While someone in the background was playing the Gatorade saxophone. Still wrapping our heads around exactly what that instrument is, but cheers, uh, cheers anyway. Sharon? Purdy sent us a line from uh, Corroboree. G'day, Tinny boys. Purdy here, currently skippering the majestic Jody, one of the Mary River houseboats. Pretty bloody nice day out here. Just out for the weekend. Hubby, toddler, couple of mates. Pretty decent breeze blowing, keeping everything cool. Uh, the boys are caught nothing but tarpon yet. Not a fisherwoman myself, but don't mind getting out here in this sort of style. Like having access to the facilities yeah. and a coldie whenever you want one. Get a mullet up you. And to you, Purdy. I, Get one right up you. I actually know Jody. Um, I've been on Jody before the houseboat. Oh, this is the boat? Yeah, yeah, the boat. It's a beautiful, beautiful rig. Purdy uh, delighted by the facilities. Oh, they're wonderful facilities, particularly around 4.30 at night with the lights on. Better than hanging a bum over the gunnels. True, at 12 knots. True. the crocodiles. We asked how the boys did in the end, and Purdy said, unfortunately, they had a tarpon-only sign hanging off the back of the boat, I think. Well, it goes without saying, doesn't it, Tim? Pound for pound. Yeah, humble blah, tarpon. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Pound blah. for pound. Blah, blah, blah. Territories Astaire and Rogers, Lats and Bulgy, have been... <laughs> that's going to stick. Have been at it again. This time, no epic, boring trolling missions, but topwater, it was topwater! No big fish, they reckon, but an epic topwater bite, 30 barrel later, 25 of them legal. They lost twice as many more, boofing everywhere, double hookups, even scooping mud crabs off the shore at some point. So they didn't tell us where, but that's up to you to play that game. We respect uh, Astaire and Rogers that uh, that, is, uh, that is your prerogative. A really interesting hoy from Morgan Dispain. He's an archaeologist from the Gunchagmi Aboriginal Corporation. They're working with um, Aboriginal school children and rangers at Jabiru and Gunbalanya, and they're teaching them all about the scientific information that we can get from fish. Mm-hmm. And it basically involves um, catching and dissecting fish, and that the skeletons of which go into sort of like a massive 
ancient archaeological reference collection or database. Don't you love science? So what, what I'm hearing is that this archaeologist wants us to catch, kill and fillet more fish. Correct, and he's actually put a shout out. It'd be fantastic if you could please let people fishing in the area know. That's easy. We would love to weigh and measure their fish for our research. Well, I reckon oh, you, they we, even we, we, want the heads and skeletons. Yeah, so what a great way to get great way to get rid of the fish frames. Abs- Save the maggots absolutely. in your bin. So we would be happy to, to fish and donate to that very worthy scientific cause. Uh, you can drop the skeletons here at ABC Tales and the Tinny. HQ, that is if Neville doesn't gobble them up before we get them to Morgan, the uh, archaeologist. Nathan and Aston were at Corroboree Billabong during the week, catching uh, tarpon from the ramp. <laughs> what my bait. Which they really oh. enjoy. Here it comes. Oh, get... oh, that's a bar, eh? No. That's a tarpon. It's a tarpon. They're at oh, the ramp out, here. here comes... Little bastard. Here comes the crop. Oh, here comes another one. <laughs> having, a, having a great time. There's that laugh again. Yeah, they are having a genuinely good time. They caught a tarp on right off the corroboree boat ramp and a, oh, a couple of metres, a little freshie came up and took it off them. That's how you roll out at the bomb. And a big congrats to, uh, from last week we didn't mention to the Veals who took out that 25 horsepower class anyway at the Kununurra Dam to Dam Dinghy Race. Uh, and if you wanted to see some creative ways of dismounting a tinny, you can check out the Kununurra Water Ski Club Facebook page. You remember Willow, who we heard from a couple of weeks ago? He's on the Outback Wrangler Telly show. Yeah, yeah. He was going in for the first time in an older boat. He sent in a pic, which you can see on that Facebook site, of an upturned hull and them in the water. A stress factor opened up. In the bottom of the tinny, oh. mid, mid-race, 70 clicks. They were flying, yeah. Yeah, not good. Whew, that was that. All smiles, though. Shoot it. Share it. Shout it. Give us a boy. Well, Tim, I headed down to the Easter water safety event at Diner Beach Boat Ramp I'm on the sh- weekend. I'm sure you did, because your motto... <laughs> uh, is that safety never takes a holiday. You would have been just thriving in that environment talking to all the officials about safety, safety regaling them with your anecdote of when safety did take a holiday on your boat and headed off to Bali for a a rack attack. I've got to say that I did learn a couple of things. Like did I did, you? I, like well, an EPIRB's a good idea. Oh no, no, I knew all that. Um, I had all my safety. What I didn't realise is that there's a mobile phone number you can call for the volunteer coast guard, and they um, they will come and get you. Yeah, right. So you don't. It's not always marine police who does that job. No, no, not at all. So there's actually a number of agencies there that, that work together um, when it comes to water safety. So it was, it was actually a pretty good gig. Free sausage. Uh, you know, get, the kid gets to pat a crock. And heaps and heaps of talk of Andy's favourite topic, safety. Hang on, I'm Tom Nichols from Crocodile Management, Parks and Wildlife Commission. And we're just down here at the moment, um, along with Water Police, Marine Safety and the Surf Life Saving Club and... Um, Got a young crocodile here, which we're showing the kids, which the kids are really loving it. Oh, yeah, I can see the crocodile over there. You can go and have a pat of the crocodile, sweetie? You can get a photo of it. We'll get a photo of it as well. How do you think people's croc awareness is generally, you know, anglers and, and boaties in, in the top end? Do you think we've progressed? We've certainly progressed. Uh, look, we've got a very good um, media section and information which goes out, especially to school kids and that type of thing. Uh, there's still a lot of people doing a lot of silly things, unfortunately. Um, we've got some great water holes up here, waterways. And, you know, we want people to use them, but we've just got to be clockwise. And the thing is, you just never know where they are, too. You know, they can be, you can see just a small water hole, and it could quite easily have a crocodile in it. And our waterways aren't like down south, where you can see around you, you can see up to 15 metres around, whereas here you've got chocolate coloured water and you're flat out seeing anything. You're not going to see, not all crocs are above the water, they come up from underneath. So it's, we've got a lot of problems that could happen. And we like to make sure people are clockwise as possible and we love answering questions. My name's Skipple, I'm the Life Saving Operation Manager for Surf Life Saving Middle Territory. Yeah, hi, I'm Fiona, I'm the Flotilla Commander down at the Australian Volunteer Coast Guard here in Darwin. So, Surf Life Saving uh, Australia, what's your role in boating safety in the NT? Uh, we basically run a rescue service which is overseen by the NT Water Police. So, we're there when people break down a far way out from the coastline and to provide sort of emergency response when the police are unable to do so. 
Sandy Constable Sean Stanley from the Water Place. I had approximately 200 people down here this morning launching their boats and, and going fishing. It's uh, the, the day's been really, really well received. It's a safety initiative uh, through our cells, Water Police and Marine Branch um, down here, just basically letting everybody know um, to make sure that you got all your safety gear on the water over, you know, with the upcoming Easter period coming. Um, it's a time of the year where everybody goes fishing and uh, goes camping and stuff over the four-day Easter break. And we just want to make sure that. Everyone's safe on the water this Easter and we don't have any fatalities. The main thing we want to get across today is making sure that everyone's got their life jackets and their flares and their reperb, but just making sure that they check their boat over. Mm. Um, it's really important that um, if you're going to go away over Easter and you haven't had your boat serviced for a while, get your motor serviced because you know if it sits there for six months, a lot of things can go wrong, especially with fuel. If you don't have your, your, your tanks pressed up um, and you can get condensation in your tank, and water and fuel don't mix, and, and sure, as soon as you're out in the water and you've got fuel, uh, water in your fuel, you're going to have problems straight away. Yeah, well, funnily enough, about one week ago, about two kilometres from where we're standing, uh, my fuel pump went, so... Did it? Yeah, and it was bad fuel, according to the guys, so. OK, yeah, well, it's the number one cause of breakdowns in the Territory, and, and the Australian Volunteer Coast Guard are, are really good. Uh, they help us out heaps. They're, uh, they're on the water. If it's not life-threatening, we can usually give them a call and, and, they'll, and they'll do a tow for us. Um, so I strongly suggest that um, if you see surf, surf life-saving or volunteer coast guard, to throw them a few bucks their way because they are a volunteer organisation and um, they, you know, they can come and assist you on the water as well. Yeah, they do a great job, as do you guys. So, yeah, well done on today and thanks for the chat. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's all well and good and those are all very important messages about safety. Important for you, Andy, and for us all, I suppose. But if they really want to avoid bad behaviours at Easter... All they needed to play was this. The key to stemming the rising tide of chocolate-fueled anger and aggression in the Easter boat ramp queue is to harness that destructive energy and channel it into constructive pursuits that occupy the mind and thereby pacify the soul. History is littered with examples of great men and women indulging in apparently trivial or puerile pursuits in the quiet times preceding momentous events. Gandhi's philosophy of peaceful resistance came to him in a reflective moment during a spirited game of snap as he waited at the Varanasi boat ramp to back his barge into the Ganges. Joan of Arc would tie intricate flies before girding her loins for battle with the occupying English. On the 1948 Invincibles tour, Keith Miller calculated tidal variations at the upper reaches of his beloved Hawkesbury River for years in advance, while waiting, padded up, for the Don's wicket to fall. Former UN boss Boutros Boutros Ghali spent time perfecting his paternosters and improved Albrights before repeatedly pulling the world back from the brink of nuclear conflagration at Security Council meetings. So. If it worked for them, fishos, it can work for you. When you feel the onset of Easter ramp rage, try a few of these ideas. The more literary could try penning a series of sonnets, haiku or even risque limericks with which to regale the crew during quieter moments afloat. Craft pursuits can also be delightfully distracting and what tinny wouldn't benefit aesthetically from a set of lace doilies on the casting deck, a macrame hanging basket, or a papier-mâché bow ornament. Those of a thespian bent may wish to reinterpret classic Monty Python sketches or host spirited discussions on which of the Police Academy series had the most cinematic merit. Simple parlour games can also make the time fly and lighten the mood. Charades, paper scissors rock, or guess the movie star or tennis player I'd most like to bonk. See fishos, it's easy. Don't get into a dust-up. Get distracted. Tales from the tinny. Ramp rage. The Territory says no. Incoming, incoming, incoming. Yeah, so it's Rookie here doing a bit of a report on a recent trip that I've done out at the um, saltwater arm. Chasing a few crabs. Scooted off. Me... My two boys and one of my mates up from Mexico and his two kids. Got out there, pitched the boat in. He'd never done it before, so I set him up, like I said, with some four pots and some chicken frames and threw them in there and 
he cleaned up and I ended up with 12 myself and he ended up I think with five six um, I threw back about 35 though chockers the young bloke I get them to pull all the pots they're their own little fishermen themselves now so they can mosey on off and go and catch whatever they want but pulling pots and they were struggling pulling pots up with four five and one pot had six big bucks in them I've been catching crabs out there and all over up here for years and I've never seen crabs crawling like that anyway decided to do a bit of fishing the kids they during the day when there's trawling and that they do all the driving I just sit back and have a few beers and they lose all my fishing gear and works out good for me I can come home and say to the missus that I need to buy new fishing gear because the kids broke it so we're dragging a few rods around and I just had a couple of those uh, black and gold stump jumpers hanging out the back just bouncing along the mangroves and something come running out from the mangroves and hit the rod and my five-year-olds grabbed hold of the rod and as a precaution one time I was fishing out at the rig with the kids and they proceeded to pull the rod out of the rod holder and probably 18 20 kilo Mackie took off with a fishing rod still attached to his mouth which was now out of the boat and in the water so I've learnt from that mistake and I now have a bit of rope tied to the fishing rod so then if the kids happen to let go of the fishing rod it stays tethered to the boat. So my youngest fellow who's five, he's got all excited, grabbed the fishing rod, as luck has it he lets go of the rod because the fish is doing a bit of jumping and carrying on and he's all excited and off it goes, out the side. The fish was out of the water, the rod and the rope were still in the water and I had a kid who was desperately about to jump over the side of the boat to go and retrieve the rod without grabbing hold of the rope to pull the rod back in. We had him in. We, the, he went 67. Fairly good act every time I go out. There's always something happening. Get back home and I've warned me, mate, don't eat too many crabs or you'll have explosive bowel movements. Anyway, so my mate's into him. He's devouring him. Next two days, he was yeah, shitting through the eye of a needle. He'd, he was too scared to cough or sneeze or laugh because he'd, he'd be squirting all over the place. And it was a good trip overall. Um, but, yeah, that's all good. And I'll um, give you fellas another rundown um, on the next story that I do. All right, have a good one. How's that? He tethers his rods. That is kid predictive management 101. That's, Brilliant. But isn't that, that's great. That's learned behaviour from previous accidents. Yeah, learned fatherly behaviour that puts you in the running for the 2019 Father of the Year there, Rookie. And thanks for the detail too, uh, old mate. Couldn't even laugh <laughs> securely following the crabs. A crab overdose. It's a tough way to learn the lesson. But we've all got to learn it. He's a man we talk too often on Tales from the Tinny, uh, often heading down to places like King Ash Bay or the Tiwis and getting into some cracking fishing. But remarkably, Russ Walton, Russ from the Do, has just experienced what he describes as the best fishing trip ever in his time in the Territory. Where'd you go, Russ? Yeah, go, Timmy, Andy. Um, yeah, me, me good mate, Cookie, and um, another young lad, Barrage Ace, jumped in with us. So we took the growler out to Dundee. That was a plan on Sunday. The weather was going to be magnificent. Tides were perfect, about three metres movement. So we just thought, I sort of roughly had a look at the chart and uh, I said, Let, let's just go wide off the parents out, you know. Let's, let's go and find some deep water and a couple of patches of gravel and hopefully find some reds. That was the plan for the day, so... Well, to be honest, although if, if we if we end up getting one each, that'll be um, job sorted. But basically, it turned out yeah an incredible day. With more than one each, absolutely. As I said, we didn't know what to expect. There was I've never seen, ab- literally thousands of tuna out there. Birds, the ocean was alive. It, it looked incredibly healthy. The colour of the water, the bird life, the bait under the the tuna as well. So that put us in good stead, thinking that this is going to be a good day. So basically, we got to our, 
Now, a rough spot. We found a couple of bits of gravelly bottom, pulled up, first drop down. Cookie got a probably a 64 centimetre goldie, which I thought, oh, this is a good start. And then basically we got a, a couple of trevally, some sharks moved in, and I thought, oh, geez, I hope this is not going to be the pattern of the day. So we only moved to another spot about 100 metres away, and then we got onto a couple of nice reds. Um, most of them were caught on soft plastics, big softies with a go, which is fantastic to catch big reds on soft softies. Nanagai as well, and some, and some thumping coral trout. The photos were absolutely phenomenal. Big reds, big trout, big snapper. It didn't seem to end for the whole day, Russ. No, it, it, for four hours straight, you just had a rod just bent in half. And I mean, serious, extreme fishing, basically, what I call it, to, and to reef a fish up between 45 and 55 metres through the shark column <laughs> was, was really incredible. And extreme sharking, too, by the look of it on a couple. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, that, that big coral trout, it, I reckon that would have been the, me PB coral trout for sure if the tax man didn't take his cut out of it. Um, so it, the variety was, was fantastic. Uh, you know, all qu- quality fish. The cod were, everything was humongous out there. Um, the sweet lip, you know, were coming up, the, the trickies, they were, they were all thumping fish, just quality all the time. And deep water, you said? Yeah, deep water, definitely. Um, I sort of wanted to get out at least in the 45 metres sort of, sort of range. I know that the Red Emperor, he can be known to, to, to live in waters up to 180 metres, I think, is their maximum depth. And, and apparently, I, I don't know, I had a bit of research on them, they can be released in deep water they're not as susceptible to barotrauma as a lot of the other reef fish out there um so so yeah well, i think we ended up with maybe 10 or 12 nice reds between the three of us some nice trout one only one big snapper out there and and the, the big cod were just <laughs> there, there was plenty of those talk us through your technique for big soft plastic drifting over the, i presume you're drifting no we're actually using the mincota spot locked um, at the start, the tide was there was a bit of push out there in that deeper water. Even though they were neat tides, there was still a bit of flow. So you could use a two or three ounce jig head with some big, you know, saltwater grubs or whatever like that at the start. When the tide started to back off, that's when the, I put some bigger soft plastics on. So there wasn't as much current. You could get them straight down, jigging straight down under the boat, wind up half a metre off the bottom, and just basically. It didn't take long before it was climbed on. That's easy fishing. It, it is. It, that, that's what it was like. And everyone was starting to get shit scared dropping a line down because I was spent. I've never seen yeah. three men on the boat, nearly tears, baby wipes are on hand if you needed them. It was, it was fair income like that. Everyone was absolutely flogged. It was like a gym sh- session for, for three hours. Baby wipes? Well, if you had, you know, if the crack sweated up or you need to wipe some tears, they're ready to go. That's excellent boat management on the growler. The boat, always baby wipes, Tim. They come in handy, even for wiping the sounder down, to wiping your butt crack for sweat, bring them on. I don't think there's anything more we can take or learn from this chat. It's it's been nice to see you again, Russ. It's been a pleasure, Timmy. And uh, The albatross, I think, sent me a message because I said I've been out Timmy's way. He's got a shack out Dundee and... And he said, if you see Timmy, tell him he's got a fish beyond the markers, the marker boys at the boat ramp to get a decent fish. Tales from the tinny. Get a malarabia. Sorry, mate. But I, I, I thought Russ, they got all those trout and reds land-based off the rock groin at Dundee on, on prawn heads. That's what they told me at the filleting table, man. And Beard asked him while, while he was gutting the fish and doing the fillets what he's going to have for dinner. Mm. He said he couldn't eat any after gutting them all. Oh, he was overfish. He's going to have a steak instead. Uh, biggest red to 75 centimetres. They got in and out to that spot at 65 k's an hour. That is almost, in every respect, the glory blue water reef fishing trip. World-class fishing right on our doorstep, Russ said. And isn't he right? <laughs> Hey, this is Matty from Wagai Beach. Uh, went out on Saturday on a crabbing trip and um, put the pots in. Uh, my missus said, yeah, there's a dew hole around here somewhere. We'll stop that. Said to my missus, if I catch a tag barra or, or a decent dewfish, I'm going to nude up. And then that's when she said, uh, we're taking Luke and Karen with us. Oh, and I'll watch the chances anyway, but that'll get a bit awkward. Yeah, when I first got on, I went, oh, this is definitely a bat fish because it was nibbling, saying it took off. 
and then it went a bit further, and then I thought, oh, this is definitely a shark. And then um, my mate Luke started screaming, it's a fish, came to the surface. I was pretty stoked that's the biggest fish I've ever caught. It went uh, 110. After I landed the fish, my missus said, uh, so what, you, are you going to need up or what? We've got a five-metre boat, and uh, that five-metre boat got really, really small. I didn't want to, like, fall on anything, otherwise I'd end up in hospital. Was the fish still kicking? No, no, Jesus, no. <laughs> no, we made sure of that. It's all spiky and scaly and heavy and, yeah. It's probably the, the one situation where you do actually want to hold the fish out, you know, closer to the camera and uh, safely away from your genitalia. <laughs> yeah, may or may not, depending on the size of the fish, do it again. How big does the fish need to be for you to feel safe enough holding that in front of your jennies? Oh, me the plus. You're not trying to tell me something? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't really know what the takeaway is from this, Matty. If you're going to go, you may as well go big. <laughs> Red fast and free. Presenting the Tales from the Tinny Fish Measuring Sticker. Some say it was calibrated by NASA to within a thousandth of a micron. Some say it's been printed over a billion times. Some say that these stats might be slightly exaggerated. Much like your fishing yards without a Tales from the Tinny Fish Measuring Sticker. Email fishing at abc.net.au or message the Tinny on Facebook to get yours. Uh, from Rusty, dear custodians of the tinny, reverends of the brethren. Reverends of the brethren, that's good, Rusty. This is how we steer after a firing start, Reverends I of the brethren. I wish to salute you fine gentlemen on the best bloody fishing show that graces this great land of oh, ours. You're doing, you're <laughs> starting off good, Rusty. Whatever you want, however many stickers you want, you got them. He's got them in the first paragraph. So, yeah, he's from northern New South Wales where they catch jacks, mulloways and flatties, you know, up to 90 centimetres for the flatty, but... Nothing as big as some of the meteries we see here. He's asked us, uh, he'd like to request a great dump from Neville next time he's flying past. Careful what you wish for. I'd personally be asking for a sticker. Anyway, uh, we will instruct Neville, the drunken albatross, please drop a sticker to Rusty because we never dump on our own brethren, do we, Tim? No. He signs off to the leaders of the Tinny Army, who he salutes, along with all your warriors out there. We are warriors. Particularly warriors over Easter, Rusty, as we... We do battle. Hi, custodians of all things fishy and frothy, says Andrew, both of which are true. Like all southern land-based anglers, I longed for the fishing opportunities that abound in the Territory. So I, with the wife beating me to it, got a job in Gove, moved the family up in Jan. Congratulations. Started fishing some local spots within the first week and caught a few, with the wife beating me again with shouts of, Come and help me get this off my lure! Queenie, barracuda, squid, trout, GTs. This land base was always a means to an end, though, until I could find a boat. Well, I finally got one. Well, the wife found it first. None of us have caught a barra. This has to be our best shot now, a boat in Arnhem Land. I can and must, I guess, come to terms with the fact that my beloved would (laughs) no doubt get to that one too first along with everything else. All I can ask is that I get the opportunity to lay it down on a go-fast red 120-wang-wang-wang-wang-wang Delilah fish measuring sticker for a photo. Please send me one so I can at least think I can get a barra before the wife. Cheers, boys. Andrew, it is on the way, and you don't have a hope on God's green earth. This sticker requests somewhat mournful and sent in from poor old Jeff. G'day, Tinny team. I write to you requesting a famous Tales from the Tinny 120YYY Delilah Go Fast Red Measuring Sticker for my boat. I grew up in the top end, thought the grass was greener on the other side, moved to East Queensland. 2017 saw me return to the top end for work, and I got amongst the best parts Darwin has to offer. The Daly, Elizabeth, Mary, Adelaide, Finnis Rivers, Leaders Creek, Billabongs, Dundee, Oil Rigs, and of course the old north arm of the harbour. We did not hook a barra through the rectum. Straight up the clacker. 
I did not see anyone catch two barrows on one lure. Welcome to the f***ing top end, sunshine. We didn't get stuck on a mud bank. When you commit, you're fully committed. You managed not to let the boats drift unaccompanied down the river. My beautiful boat, floating all by itself. Etc. However, I had the best time. We drank loads of piss, caught barra, jewies, goldies, queenies, threadies, muddies. We bashed buggies through the mud, water, scrub and up the beaches. Got blokes out of bogs in the bush. Fished in the heat, fished at night, fished getting smashed by abnormally large amounts of marshies. Fished in the rain, fished from little boats, fished from big boats, fished from the bank, fished from the side of the road. My employment came to an end. Trips to Darwin ceased. And my return to what I've now been informed is called soft land was permanent. Work and family life have taken away the ability to get out on the water regularly. I can't help but feel my boat would catch more fish if it had a YY Delilah Go Fast red measuring sticker. It would of course increase my chances of catching more fish if the boat went in the water a bit more often too. Shout out to all the families that made my work life in Darwin such a memorable experience. Oh yeah, and um, get a mullet up ya. Regards, Jeff. Tales from the Tinny. Oh, of course you can have one, Jeff. Yeah, you can have two. Of course you can. You can request a sticker too. Hopefully in a little bit more positive light. Whatever the bloody reason. As long as you spin a yarn, you get a sticker. Fishing at abc.net.au. You might have seen the pics on Facebook during the week, fish shows. This is an important lesson in kind of picking your battles when out on a day's fishing. Uh, g'day, it's, it's Haggis here from Bellamac. Just recently went out to Shady Camp with me mate Biddy. Had a few beers and going quite well. A few fish in the bag and uh, low tide. We're at the mouth, we've had a pretty good day and we just spotted this, uh, this awesome lure on the sandbank. It was attached to a bit of rope and it's one of the pretty good lure, been, been using it all day and doing quite well. Quick thinking, I'm trying to get it off the bank. Funny enough, I was trying to retrieve it with my other lure, which um, got stuck in the same process. <laughs> So, bad choice first up. Um, so, both of my lures are stuck on this piece of rope and low tide of the shady mouth. And Matt's just gone, oh, Haggis, just jump in and, and grab it. It's fine. thought, yep, no worries. Let's do it. It's just, so, I jumped straight in and I went about knee deep in, in this slurry mix. Kind of panicking, having a look around just to check for the crocs. I'm just shouting at Matt, chuck me the cutters, chuck me the cutters. I've got to cut this lure off and, and get back on the boat. He's sitting there with his camera taking a photo and I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Just give me the cutters. He finally puts his phone down and throws me the cutters and I cut them off and, and my shoes are quite deep in this mud and I almost lose them trying to get out of it and just drag myself back onto the boat. Pretty worn out, got both lures in hand and, and Matt's just um, panicking and going, mate, we need to get off this bank. So he's just kicked the motor into gear and full reverse and, and we just heard this big crack. And uh, we didn't really think much of it at the time. Started up the electric on the other side of the bank doing some fishing and um, just turned it 90 degrees and, and she just snapped in half. <laughs> oh no, we've just totally cooked our, our motor trying to retrieve a $20 lure. And uh, yeah. Love a good lure, love a good retrieve. Uh, yeah, now I've got a uh, $100 repair bill for the, the electric and a not-too-happy wife. Didn't tell her straight up, just tried to, you know, soften it a bit and say, oh, we, it was a good weekend fishing and did really well, got a few 70s and, and oh, yeah, by the way, just need to fix the electric. It's all good, she's a bit broken and, and uh, she's quite furious, actually, yeah. 
a lesson is to, to think everything through at least three or four times when you've had a few tinnies, uh, regardless of how glorious it seems at the time. And um, don't jump off your boat onto the sandbank to get a lure. <laughs> it's good lure, though. It's good lure. Shiny red vibe. Couple of tenors, maybe. Shiny electric. Couple of grand. Not to mention the filthy cast deck. I mean, there was terrible, terrible amount of, of mud on the cast deck. Oh, the cleaning chaps. The buggered shoes. The mud caking slowly on your leg hair. You know when you've got to peel off that mud? Mm. And it's like giving yourself a waxing? Leaves your skin beautiful, though. The general indignity of it all, guys, for, for a lure. Cheers for owning it too, mate, and letting it serve as a warning to us all. Reminds me of the fella who, um, in attempting to save a $1 snapper sinker, knifed himself about 100 k's yep. out at sea. Remember Matt, that? Matt Kell off Dundee, trying to get a snapper sinker back from a shark. Knife slipped. He really did himself some, some fairly major damage. So just running that through a cost-benefit analysis, $1 sinker, mm. v, the fees for microsurgery, physio, rehabilitation. Mm. Do the math, as you said. Tim. Don't mean to rub it in there, Matt. You've crunched those numbers yourself. One particular smartass on Facebook uh, has offered to Brendan to start up a GoFundMe account for his lures if he's that hard up. To keep it positive, though, Brendan has caught fish on that lure since, though. So it's a happy-ish ending. Well, as if that wasn't enough from Russ Walton earlier about the cracking trip out to Dundee last week... Jared Salas has been finding the same. He's with uh, Fishing at Dundee Holiday Park, runs charters out there. Jared, it seems like the blue water off Dundee's just been electric. Yeah, mate, it's been exceptional. So, yeah, obviously it's nothing to do with the poor wet season because that's completely separate, but some great fish coming through from the from the blue water. Well, the wind's been good. It's been windy for a long time and sort of stopped off now for the last couple of weeks and it's really, really opened up a lot of doors. Mm. to get out wide. Where this offshore I go is about sort of 12 to 15 miles offshore, but I head south a lot further along the coastline. In terms of distance from Dundee, I go up to sort of 30, 40 miles, but only about 15 miles offshore. Reef and rubbly bottle for the reef fish and then and then a few shoals and current lines for the plagics. We're finding there's lots of golden snapper at the moment, so... Lots of golden snapper, dewfish on the right tide. There's been a few dewfish around. Um, there's been a few good reports on the sailfish and marlin coming through. So pretty much everything but Tara. How would you suggest fishers work these bigger, much bigger tides over Easter? Much bigger tides to produce fish out wide in terms of Spanish mackerel and pladics will be out wide because we get the big mackerels on the big tides. But the reef fishing, you just have to fish around the tides, so... The lows, the highs and the lows when it's not running so hard. Uh, how bad has the barra been? Um, well, it's not, it hasn't been horrendous. I've heard a few good reports come through. It's just hasn't been firing like it normally does for this time of year. So there still are some good reports coming through. There's a few fish there. It's just not firing like we used to. And what are your plans over Easter? Be fishing a few days and um, fishing the windows out wide, working all over Easter. Tom's going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Good on you, man. Thanks for the report and have a great Easter, eh? Right, mate. You too. Hey, good day, people. Briggs here at my secret spot down here at Funny Bay's on your way to East Point Road. I don't really come here for bait fishing, but one time those uh, people, I've seen people catching a lot of fish, so I'm like, I might as well give it a try. Then they came here one day. With my little fishing rod, I caught a seven kilo rock cod. Yeah, today I feel a little bit dry. Dry, I mean colder, which means the dry season is here now, I suppose. You catch different varieties of fish. I mean, some queen fish, travel, small barrels that I caught a lot, a lot of time, and it's a little bit annoying because <laughs> we're hoping to um, catch the million dollar barrels, but I keep snagging these little rats or whatever they call it. <laughs> Well, the high tide is um, incoming at the moment. We'll see what happens.
got a fresh bait on the line at the moment so hopefully we um, go into our target species which is um, nothing specific really <laughs> oh, oh, that, I suppose oops I've got a fish on fish on <laughs> he's got an audio alarm on his rod is that that's what that was yeah yeah that's high tech that Not, is high tech. I do remember back in the days fishing for carp on the River Murray. Great yeah. days. Good times, Tim. Just out fishing, mate. See who can get the biggest carp. They're not a bad eating fish. Leave it flopping around on the bank. Geez, I'm glad I've matured and moved on from those days. Anyway, we used to use, um, as did many, you know, the little bell. The bell, yeah. But that he, that sounds to me like some sort of motion-activated high-tech alarm-type sensor system. I wouldn't be surprised if he's got an app so he can go for a wander and then just get paged when the fish is on. So good. Go to the pub, sit at the front bar, have a beer, ding, 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 rod's going off. Genius. Well, fish eyes, you knew this was coming. You knew, it's, it's every year. It's the same story we tell. It's Easter. And we need to welcome back to the studio, despite the protests annually from management, We've got to welcome back the Badmouth Bunny. Now, for those kids with sensitive ears who believe in the bouncing, fluffy, lovely, furry little one coming to hide and deliver the Easter eggs, it is highly advised. Uh, they tune out and you tune out now. Because he's back. And he ain't a nice guy. ABC Management wishes to advise that the following Tales from the Tinny segment contains frequent coarse language, lurid content of a sexual nature, intolerant views coupled with the threats of violence and contraventions of the ABC's OH&S policies. Parents who do not want their young children exposed to this material may wish to remove them out of earshot for the next three to four minutes. Conversely, any adults who harbour latent sentimental affection for the commercial construct perpetuated by confectionery companies known as the Easter Bunny may also wish to leave the listening environment. Otherwise, their childish, innocent perceptions of the cute, fluffy, friendly giver of treats is about to be irrevocably torn asunder. We now return you to your usual irregular programming. Thank you for your attention. Welcome aboard the Tinny Bunny. Good to have you on the show. <coughs> well, I'm sure it is. <coughs> You're a renowned seasoned specialist doing your best work at Easter, Bunny. A busy time, no doubt. Too f***ing right. I'm flat out like a one-armed fiddler with a dose of crabs and getting busier every year. Used to be I'd pack up on the Tuesday and pretty much get on the squirt, scratch me nuts and do f*** all else right through until next April. Now, though, as soon as the are putting away the f***ing tinsel, they start trotting out the Easter gear, and then the bloody phone doesn't stop ringing. Bunny, can you do an in-store appearance at Westfield? West f***ing what what? Bunny, we've got a TV campaign to do. Can you fly a helicopter? Bunny, mate, Kerry O'Brien's on the phone. Want your opinion on the latest peace initiative on the f***ing Gaza Strip? It sucks. Fair dinkum. Took this gig on as a nice little part-time earner, you know, a bit of beer money. Now I'm pretty much on the job for six months without any corresponding increase in the f***ing coin, mind Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, 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 Bunny, the joy, the excitement, the gratitude of the little kitties must be immensely rewarding. The cute little kitties? You've got to be joking. Used to be the little bastards were happy as a pig in poop if you slung them a hard-boiled egg with a splash of watercolour slapped on the shell. Nowadays... Fat, greedy little turds demand kilos of top-shelf imported Swiss and Belgian chocolate. Some of the little pricks even hit me up for f***ing iPhones, ripsticks and PS3s. Who do they think I am? F***ing Santa Claus? So, uh, do you have any kids, Bunny? Oh, yeah, thousands. And that's the one I put my hands up to. <laughs> the number of poor little daddyless bastard bunnies bouncing around out there with a striking resemblance to yours truly would set your f***ing... An abacus are clicking, I'll tell you. Go at it like, well, a rabbit I do. <laughs> oh. uh, uh, look, um, oh. Sorry, Bunny, but uh, we're not allowed to smoke in ABC Studios, mate. True. Well, this is the way it goes, boys. Pay attention now. Bunny no smoky durry. Bunny no talky to tinny tosses. Clear enough? Um... Yeah, Tim, uh, get up on the desk and uh, put some gaffer tape on the on the smoker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
Thought you might see it my way, fellas. Oi! You just about need me in the lug hole, you f***ing pillar. These ears are me f***ing trademark, you sorry, clown. Sorry, sorry, sure sorry, for two and a half million bucks they are. Bigger policy than on Angelina Jolie's lips. <laughs> <laughs> Bunny, there's been some opposition to your involvement in Easter as a whole of late that you're yesterday's mascot. Ah. That, that must hurt, Bunny. You're talking about that f- Bilby, timid little rat nose, jumped up job poacher. If people think the bunny's just going to roll over and sneak off with his cute little fluffy tail between his legs in defeat, just because the Bilby's a native, they've got another thing coming. Just watch me go native, kicking his little furry ass all over the indigenous landscape. If I could find the little, I'd rip his whiskers out, roll him into a wick, light him, and stick him fair up his ass. But you never see the prick except in lefty, greeny, tree-hugging f***ing newspaper ads. Afraid of his own shadow, I hear. How's he going to do the job if he's afraid of anything more aggressive than a witchetty grub? Kids these days are terrorists. Psychopaths. Especially filled up on chocolate, I shit you not. This is no job for the faint-hearted, my friend. And by definition, no job for a dilby f***ing bilby. I'd like to see him out on the f***ing Bloody hell, Tim. Good lord. I think he's dead. Maybe we should give him mouth to mouth. Are you kidding? Did you smell his breath? Should I call a doctor? Or maybe a vet? Yeah. Maybe. Fantastic scoop for the tinny, though. Got his last interview. Tales from the tinny. (laughs) On ABC Local Radio, across the Territory. Thank you, Joanne, Angelina and Melissa of Team Bino Blush. Well done, girls. Thanks to Rookie, Russ from The Do, Brendan Harkness. To Bricks down at Fanny Bay, cool spot, secret spot. Bad mouth bunny, I think you're keeling over this year, was particularly graphic and shocking. Warren DeWitt, as always, and to you too, Fishos. Behave yourselves over Easter. Whether that's in the traffic line down at Dundee or just waiting for your beer at the bar. And remember this as you head into Easter. If you're going to go, you may as well go big. <laughs> go big. <laughs> go big. And probably your best advice for days to come, especially given some of you may be abstaining from um, from red meat. Don't eat too many crabs or you'll have explosive bowel movements. You're squirting all over the place and yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks for your company on Tales from the Tinny Fishos. Have a fantastic Easter and get an explosive squirting mullet right on up here.